We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. He takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing esports scouting and the NBA 2K League. Just a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Lance Sessions. Lance is the assistant coach and team's manager for Mavs GG, which is the Dallas Mavericks NBA 2K League franchise. Lance is also the owner of Off Grid 2K, which is a competitive NBA 2K Pro-Am team and also has an NBA 2K scouting service. Lance, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, you know, to briefly introduce the topic, we're going to be exploring esports scouting and really the NBA 2K League. So the NBA 2K League is actually the first of its kind in this newly emerging esports franchise movement where actually the game developer Take-Two partnered with the NBA, which became the first professional sports league to create and operate their own esports league. So this is actually a pretty 
you know, big thing within the esports and competitive gaming community because prior you had developers, you know, like Blizzard creating franchise leagues where they were just handling everything and selling spots on a map. Whereas this, it's take two to developer and the NBA actually, you know, organizing and running it. So it's, you know, pretty new, unique in that facet. So right now the league's in their third season. The first um, draft was held at MSG. And last year's draft, the season two, was at the Barclays. And then the past draft this year was at Terminal 5 in New York City. Um, the league has 23 teams, including an esports organization, Gen G, that operates a Shanghai team. Gameplay is a live 5v5 tournament where each player controls a different person. So you have a point guard, a center, and all the players are housed in market. So if you're on the Mavericks, you live in Dallas. If you're on the Lakers, you live in L.A. And they're all paid a minimum salary, provided with health, dental, vision, and 401k. And then they play these tournaments where they have the opportunity to win tournament winnings. So in addition to what's going on in the professional 2K scene, this kind of developed from this competitive pro-am scene that exists. So there's no existing minor league or NBA 2K league affiliate. However, there's been this trend in the last few years where unaffiliated, independent, competitive, or comp leagues, as they're known, kind of are operated by third parties who create these leagues where different individuals can create a team and get together, you know, five or however many people on their team and compete against other teams. And these leagues keep statistics and hold tournaments and do playoffs and give out awards and, you know, prize money. So there's a bunch of them that have emerged, but one fairly known one is the MBPA, which was the My Player Basketball Association. And in fact, 15 of the 17 players that were selected in the first round of the season one draft actually have participated in this league at some point. So clearly, you know, the people that have been accelerating this game have been involved in this comp scene. Um, additionally, Forbes in their own articles mentioned that these kind of leagues can become feeders for the 2K league. So, you know, it's very interesting that this whole culture has emerged in this community. So now we know a bit more about the 2K league in the scene. Lance, tell us a bit about your previous experience. Yeah, so I would say, you know, start about 2K16 for me in general to really start diving into seeing like kind of what you talked about, the MPBA, the competitive scene, as well as like the WR, which is a, a big league. Um, and then like the road to the All-Star Road to the finals came around. And that's when I really got to see the, I guess, the the highest competitive level that it can reach, you know, with the 2K putting on the $250,000 tournament and just really seeing the competitive spirit that these guys can bring to a live competition. So that's where it really piqued my interest in, you know, Hey, this is like really cool. And of course, after that, the 2k league announced their season one and everything like that. And that's just where it all really started for me on, you know, Hey, how can I be a part of this? So what kind of stuff are you working on with the Mavs? So for me, uh, I'm the assistant coach and team manager. So I'm more of a kind of analytical type of a person. So with the Mavs, I really, you know, look at, you know, opponents, points per games, take all the stats in, try to find any like advanced statistics that we can isolate or use to, you know, give us a little bit of an edge. Uh, with the team manager part, you know, I, I, help, I work with our sponsorship team. I work with our business team on just getting the guys everything that they need, whether it be clothing, 
transportation, housing, anything like that. Uh, I do all of that. And then a little bit back to the assistant coach part. Um, I also help the players like train. So we actually have gym memberships for all the players. So they have like workouts that they do. So we want to keep them as yeah, healthy as so possible. Create, um, workout plans for them. Yeah. So we've worked with the Dallas Mavericks, like their training staff to give our players, you know, the best workout plans, you know, kind of catered to them and some of their goals. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I take them every day. Well, one that's scheduled, but hopefully it's about every other day in the off season and, you know, kind of teach them the right. I do have a background in kinesiology. And so I kind of know a lot about it, but the Dallas Mavericks really provide the actual training, like uh, scheduling and things for, for the guys. That's awesome. So, you know, obviously you work with the Mavs. What kind of other unique benefits does working with a team like that bring? Uh, for me, I think it's just overall, like so much experience that they, that you get from all of the different personnel that the Mavericks have. So like the NBA staffing. And so any day of the week, you know, I can ask the Dallas Mavericks team manager something, or I can go talk to our business operations over there. I can go talk to our marketing team. I can pretty much get any type of information. They have years of experience and, and what they're doing. And I think that can help accelerate us with the gaming side on what we're doing and trying to take some things that what they're working on that they've shown that's worked. And we can kind of implement that and test it in esports and see, you know, hey, is is what you guys are doing working? And can we implement it here and make that work as well? Interesting. You know, I think that that's what's, you know, really unique about this league in general is that you do have synergy between, you know, NBA teams, which have this established infrastructure with, you know, I don't know, even hundreds, if not more of employees who have, you know, years upon years of experience in the traditional sports, you know, and marketing and sponsorship areas. Yeah, definitely. And even also, uh, I've had meetings with, you know, the the G League coach of the Texas Legends to even, you know, pick some of their brains on, you know, what they kind of use in the NBA, defensive schemes, offensive schemes, film study, and even implement that into what we do because they are so kind of similar with each other. Interesting. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about, you know, pro gamer scouting. Like, how did you kind of get into it? Yeah, so I'll kind of go back to what I mentioned earlier. So, the road to the finals and road to the all-star when I really seen that competitive level, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is how do the players get there? Like how did that team prepare for the next team? And I, you know, you look at the tournament, they played multiple games against other teams. First thing, like I said, that came to my mind was like, how did those guys prepare themselves to get to that level? And if there are these 10 on stage that are at this level, how many more are out there? And so when season one really started, I I was really just a watcher at that time. I didn't really know the pathway that I wanted to go. I know I wanted to be, you know, in coaching or scouting or things like that. And so after season one, I kind of just took everything in with, you know, they, the scores, the type of players, uh, the type of organizations that were part of it. And myself and a few friends, we started a scouting kind of service. It was more private at that time. But what we did was, we went to the MPBA and the WR leagues, all those uh, amateur leagues, and we really started compiling our own stats, film, study, and then sending those to teams to try to create peak of, like of interest of what we're doing. And we did get a few teams that were interested with what we were trying to do, and they kind of helped shape our, our scouting reports. And so a little bit of the things like I'm talking about with scouting is we would track, you know, where players are taking shots on the court. We would track, of course, like, 
your your basic stats like points per game, rebounds, and everything, which the game actually gives us. But we were looking more for that extra step. So we were trying to compile as much, you know, advanced analytics, whether it be, you know, how many possessions end with this player getting an assist. So we can isolate, you know, hey, if you're going to play this type of a team, you want to make this guy try to make plays or, you know, things like that. And so that's really how I got started in the scouting and then kind of the, the process that got me to, you know, becoming an assistant coach. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all the UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's word BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So yeah, so I know you started to kind of touch on it a little bit. So what are some important categories, you know, to focus on when maybe scouting a 2K player? Some that maybe weren't just like, you know, points per game, assists, like, you know, that's pretty straightforward. But what else do you look at? Yeah, so I think a big one, um, when we look at, when I look at a team, I really like to look at player tendencies, which is not really a a statistic that I can track, but uh, it's super important to understand, you know, where a guy likes to pass, what part of the floor he likes to be. And then I like to correlate that with a number of, you know, maybe a usage rate, like how much does this this player use it like in their offense, as well as kind of like the stat I talked about before, you know, if it's a really pass heavy point guard or a point guard who doesn't pass as much how many possessions are actually ending in him getting an assist so or the player getting an assist and so with that we can try we can fine-tune you know how we're going to play this style of point guard because in NBA 2k lately of the the last two years I'm particularly talking about season two and season three the point guard is really your your you know your primary scorer the ball is going to be in their hands you know 95 percent of the time season one it wasn't really like that. The small forward position was like the go-to, like get the ball in that in their hands. Um, and so with that, we can, it just overall helps us game plan of, you know, this point guard can really pass. He holds the ball a lot. Let's try to, you know, force a shooting guard to hold the ball, make him make a play. Um, and then, you know, certain guards that can't pass as well, but are just good scores. Let, let's really try to, you know, make him make a decision based on rotations and things like that. Right. Like, you know, you want to see if a point guard when he goes to the left, if he's more likely to pass to the corner, or if he's going to you know, pull up and take a shot. Seems like these are the kind of things that you could potentially track. Yeah, and definitely. And this goes for, you know, all five positions. I'm just specifically talking about probably the most important position just to kind of clarify it easier. So, yeah. So, you know, what are some similarities you've seen between um, scouting in real life basketball and 2K? Uh, honestly. You know, speaking, so like when I met, like I mentioned with the Texas Legends coach, um, it was really his first time as well to see 2K. And there was a lot of things that even off the first hand, he was like, this is similar to kind of like what we wanted, like what we do. And so a few things that I, off the top of my head that are definitely similar that I feel like are um, like player tendency. So even when you go look at real basketball, you know, a point guard or a player likes to be, you know, he likes to shoot from the right side of the floor, like shoot from the left side. Uh, so that um, and then even positioning on a court. So 
that kind of goes into what I just said, but maybe a center likes to only post up on the left side and shoot with his right. Um, maybe he's not as good at doing a post fade from the left block, little things like that. And as well as offensive sets and defensive sets are both very similar between, you know, real life basketball and, and NBA 2K on, you know, if you can get your guys, your players to run it correctly, sometimes no matter what a guy's going to be open based off screens, but the only disadvantage is the camera that 2K has for the professionals is they can see everything behind them. And that's something that, you know, in real life basketball, you can't really, you, you don't know what's going on behind you. Hmm. That's the biggest difference to me is, you know, in real life, it's so communication focused of knowing, Hey, a guy's cutting or, you know, switch here, just the communication behind you. Is so important in 2k, it definitely is still important, but the ability to see behind you just kind of limits a lot of certain type of offenses that are, you can run in real life. And so that's a little bit of the, some of the similarities and I kind of went into some differences, but of IRL and, and uh, NBA 2k. Well, yeah. So if you're scouting them, are there any things that you would maybe look at more in a 2k player that you wouldn't be as important if you're looking at a potential NBA player? Um, I really feel like things that are important to look at with 2k players is mainly just what, what do they do that makes them comfortable? So you kind of see that in like a lot of the wins that some of the players have is, you know, does this shooting guard, does a sharp, you know, is he more of a a catch and shoot type of a player? And the archetype system really helps 2K teams, I guess, kind of um, prepare for certain teams. So if you're going up against a team in 2K where, you know, they have a sharp secondary, not really a ball handler type of a secondary player or your sharp or your secondary ball handler, your defense, you can really focus it differently for that type of a team versus if you're playing a team with two very good ball handling guards. And so I think that kind of in real life, it translates the same because some teams also have two ball handlers or maybe more of a catch and shoot guard. So it really does differentiate. Like you can do a lot in 2K to prepare or even to try to throw a team off based on just the archetype system, which is a whole like another conversation of how deep that goes on, you know, which one's, the best to pick and which one's the worst to pick and based on, you know, matchups and things like that. So, you know, I know you help them in practice and everything. So what's it like interacting with these gamers, you know, when you're drawing up game plans for them and kind of putting them in different positions and all. Well, it's so I would say like the first two weeks of practice with like maybe a rookie is a lot different if they haven't had much sports background. And so I'll touch on a little bit with like, you know, some guys or some players in the league, they really do have a lot of sports background. Maybe they were college basketball players or even they played baseball, any type of sport we have pretty much in the league. And so you see a different level of understanding immediately when, you know, those players have had that coaching, that sports touch kind of in their backgrounds versus a player who is strictly an esports player that's you know, they play Call of Duty, they play 2K, they play Madden, they play all those, and they're just really good at 2K. And so teaching those fundamentals to them, you know, just off rip of like the coaching aspects, the offensive and defensive sets, because most of the time when they don't really have a sports background that I've kind of seen in my opinion, in my kind of opinion, is they don't really, they just play 2K and kind of go with the strengths and weaknesses of each game. Because each 2K in the retail version, it changes, you know, one year you'll have a really good inside finishing game. Maybe the next year it's all three point shooting. And so they use that, but I've seen 
in with some of the guys that we have that if they have, you know, full on coaching back or like been coached before in sports and things that they actually look at the full game itself and try to implement things, no matter what the, the strength and weaknesses are just to throw their opponent off. And what I mean by that is if let's say it's a, it's an outside shooting game, they'll understand that sometimes I got to get inside in order to open up my outside shot. Whereas like the full esports player sometimes will only recognize, Hey, the three point shot is the only thing I want to do because it's the best thing to do. So sometimes they'll kind of spam that too much. And so, you know, trying to get them to learn like, Hey, here, let's go inside. And they might be, but the inside, I can't finish my, my player, my archetype can't shoot light layups or dunks. And it's like, well, it's not really about that. Let's get you inside, make the defense play it a certain way. And then that'll open up your outside shot. So just little things like that. Okay. So yeah, it's definitely learning how to kind of take criticism and apply this coaching style to actually your gameplay. Yeah. And then another thing is a lot of these players, you know, the biggest difference is, you know, you're, you're kind of at home as a player who's never been in sports or anything. You know, you're in your room by yourself. You play the game how you want to play. No one's really over your shoulder saying that's not right. That's right. This is incorrect. And so that transition for some guys, I think is easier than others, just depending on the individual. And I think that's the most interesting part is how, like you just spoke on like the criticism that they can take and how they implement it and change their game to either fit the team they're on or to fit, you know, kind of the schemes that the coach is trying to implementing. Interesting. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about the whole draft process and the pre-draft process. You know, this is unique that the 2K League kind of mimics traditional sports where they have a combine and then they actually draft players from a player pool. Yeah, it's so, it's so, like you said, it's very similar. Um, The draft process for me is so important because it's just due to the roster sizes that we're limited to and the ability to not really exchange like there's trades and everything, but we can't really, you know, we're pretty much stuck with the six you have unless, you know, there's trade value. And so the draft process to me is one of the most important parts of this, of this thing, because if you, if you draft in the player that's not going to learn or implement your system or can't kind of have cohesion with the roster that you have already, you already really set yourself up for a, a tough challenge. I'm not saying it's not possible, but, um, it's just so important with only six guys that you really find six that can work together because you possibly not might not be able to get any different type of players in the season, but also like the right mindset to be able to mold their game to fit, you know, the guys around them. So what's, what's kind of the pre-draft process like with players? How does that kind of unfold? Yeah. So the pre-draft process. So, in NBA 2K20 this last year, uh, there's the combine. There's everything that goes into that, and um, from there, you know, players will get picked down to 250. You kind of there's a lot more that goes into it, but the league pre-selects about 250 players that are draft eligible. And so, you know, once it really gets down, of course, you know, we're doing our scouting processes. You know, watching the MPBA, watching the WR, watching these leagues who's winning it, you know, maybe this player, let's say, let's just randomly say that our team needs a power forward. You know, we have a great guard from last year, great lock, great sharp, good center. We got to keep four. So sometimes with certain teams, you know, you're kind of hyper-focused on a guy that can play a position or a player that can play the position you need. 
And so that process for myself is a lot different. So like last year or two years ago, sorry, two drafts ago in season two, we only had dimes on the roster. So that draft process, you know, where we're drafting five players to fit with dimes was a lot different than this last year where we actually kept four players and had to draft two. So those two really needed to fit what we already built. And so that process goes into, you know, each manager and coach, it looks for a little different um, capabilities in a player. Maybe you really want a player who's so dominant at one thing, uh, whether that be like shooting, defense, rebounding, whatever it is, or some managers and coaches are going to kind of go the other way and say, Hey, this guy can do three or four things really good. So let's try to take that and be able to know that we can put this player in different, you know, situations with us. And it might help us find the right spot for all of our players because the league build itself even kind of changes year to year. So if you're really banking on, you know, the league build having amazing shooting and you draft an amazing shooter, but now it's an inside type of a build, you know, you might've already set yourself up to have a tougher time, but, you know, if you drafted that more versatile player, maybe, you know, he's not as good at his high point, but you're kind of, I guess, kind of protecting yourself if the you league builds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think also what's nice about 2K League is, you know, they have patches somewhere to some of the other esports leagues. So, you know, where you may have drafted a player for doing X, they may patch a certain thing and trade dribble mechanics or shot timing or whatnot. And, you know, the meta changes, as they say. Definitely. And that's this. I mean, that's the amazing part about esports is it can get really exciting after that. So, you know, if a patch drops halfway through the year, you know, maybe you had a rough start, but that patch is more your team style. Now here you can come roaring back into. And I think it could just add that extra level of uncertainty that can really bring excitement to a league. And that's what I think the best part that I like about this league is just game to game and you know, anything can change. You can switch archetypes. You can do a lot of different things. And so the the amount of strategy that goes even just into one game, like there's no real preset. Like you'll go in, of course, with a game plan. But, you know, if you have to play that team again, now they're coming out with complete different archetypes. Whereas in real life, you know, when you play, let's, I'm just going to throw like uh, Luka Doncic and Kristaps, like you kind of know what their game is no matter yeah, what. Dallas Mavs don't change that often. Yeah, but in 2K, you know, we can have dimes be on a shooting guard and the next game he's on a slasher. We can have Pete as a shooting center and now he's on an inside center. And so like the versatility there is amazing when you draft the right type of players that can do both. And so that's just so exciting to me, like on the strategy side of, of NBA 2K. So what's draft day like? I'm sure that's an exciting day. Yeah, I, you know, growing up, you you kind of watch the NFL draft and the NBA draft, and you know, they like zoom into the uh, the war rooms and things, and you're just like, man, I wonder what they go through. Um, and then now, you know, kind of we we get our own version of that, and so I would say it's it's very similar to you know what what traditional sports do. Like we'll sit down, you know, we have our draft boards, we'll rank you know positions and you know order of importance or you know different aspects of what we think you know the interview went. Um, whether it be the league kind of conducts, conducts their own interviews versus, you know, what we see in our interviews. Also, you know, here's game film. How, how, how can this player fit mentality wise versus game gameplay? And so it goes a lot, but the draft day itself is so nerve wracking. Uh, you know, being a fan of a team and, you know, watching, you know, you have the fifth pick and you hope that that prospects there and then you hope your team picks it. 
but then actually being in the room and hoping that player's there right when you pick it's so it's very nerve wracking and I can't tell you the amount of like excitement that you feel when that player does fall to you that you really wanted. And it, it's, it's, it's insane. It, it almost words can't explain just the level of like, we got, we got the, we got that player that we wanted. Right. Like I, the closest I can think of it is like the fantasy football draft where it's like, got the fourth pick. Is he going to drop to me? Am I going to, is he going to drop to me? Definitely. Definitely agree with that. It's just, and w- when you get him, you know, kind of, you're like, Oh, you feel like, you know, you, you set yourself up amazing. And then, even then like late in the draft when, you know, there's, you know, not that many players. Cause unlike, you know, NFL, I don't, I don't honestly have no clue, but there's a lot of, you know, prospects that they can pick from. We have a finite amount of players that we get to choose from. And so, you know, maybe we value a player late in the draft really high, but maybe we expect their draft value not to be as high. And so being able to find like a diamond in the rough kind of mentality is amazing too. Cause you're like, wow, I cannot believe he's there. We really like this guy. And of course, you're banking on your own personal opinion, but the, that that feeling's also just just as good as picking, you know, that high draft pick that had super high, you know, uh, value with every organization. So, what's it like, you know, playing against players that maybe you scouted and didn't draft? I mean, sometimes it's like a, a love hate because, you know, let's say you had a guy who's like super high rated, and you just picks, you know, you weren't a high enough pick, you couldn't trade for that pick and so when you play against them they do really well and so you're like man i knew that 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 player could have been really well but on the other side of it you're like i do not like going against this player because he's so good and so it's it's definitely like a love-hate situation for me of you know i you took so much time to look at that prospect and what he could have been or what the player could have been and so it's it's definitely love-hate does it help you you know having all this intel on them yeah, and I, I think that's a huge part of why, uh, you know, Coach LT and I, we really try to scout every single player in every single um, draft class. And so this last year was about 250, 53, around that range. And we really took the time to try to look in at every single player because those ones that didn't get picked, even then we'll come back the next year. Now we're already kind of, you know, maybe one or two steps ahead of some orgs that only handpicked, you know, maybe 50 to 70 to really scout. And then, like you said, it sets us up for when the season comes around to know, Hey, that sixth man, you know, the player that was on the bench, now he's starting, you know, this is his first game against us. We already kind of have some Intel on what that player can and can't do. If we, you know, and if we didn't scout him before we wouldn't have any type of, you know, film on him. So what are some ways that players can use, you know, scouting reports to improve their game? So for me, I think the biggest thing is, you know, hopefully your organizations and I think everyone is, you know, they're scouting your opponent. But I also think the next like the future, the next wave is actually looking at your own type of scouting report on yourself, because in 2K player tendencies are so they're so key to knowing, you know, like if a guy like Fab per se, just throwing a random name out, uh, point guard for the Celtics, he you know, if, if he has one tendency, he has no idea about it, but now he's reading, you know, a scouting report on himself or like having his coaches, you know, look at him and say, you know, what do I do that I can improve on? And then you'll be able to change and throw off defenders who are just watching you game to game or, you know, maybe even season to season. So I think um, that's one of the most useful scouting reports, like for even in the future, or even now for guys to look at is what are my own tendencies and how can I change them to throw other teams off 
I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I hope players will kind of look at themselves and be like, okay, yeah, like every time I go this way, they know I'm going to shoot. So maybe next time I go that way, I pass. Definitely. And it's a hard thing to do. It, it sounds real simple, but, you know, it's really looking in the mirror and understanding that, you know, we all kind of have faults in, in anything that we do and being able to say, you know, hey, I'm not that good at this or I do this every time. I need to change how I communicate, how I pass. I always pass to the right corner. I need to, you know what I'm saying? So being able to look at yourself and just say, I have these faults. If I fix them, I can be 10 times better. Or even, you know, when I in a high pressure situation, I always do. I always throw to the right hash because that's our best player. And so, you know, fixing those little things and just understanding that your opponent is going to watch so much film on you. If you can change a few things that, of course, benefit your team, um, it's only going to set you up for more success, in my opinion. Awesome. So, you know, what's your favorite part of your job? Uh, For me, it's I like the day to day stuff. So, you know, being able to work with all the players that we have in the two seasons that I've been with Mavs Gaming, it's, it's just the little things, you know, the little conversations you have about, you know, the lives that these players have um, myself in particular, you know, going to the gym with them, uh, seeing them eat healthier, just seeing them take, you know, those little steps with everything they do is just people. Um, and then also uh, being able to just kind of teach and shape them things. Because one thing at Mavs gaming that coach LT and myself preach is we want you to leave here with more than you came in with, whether it be, you know, just knowledge in general of life or uh, what the Dallas Mavericks can teach us. We have a great leadership team. And so, you know, anything that we can give you to set you up when you leave Mavs gaming, we're going to feel better because we know, you know, a year or two from down the road, maybe we help that player do more than just play in the NBA 2K league. Awesome. So, you know, I really like to conclude each episode with my three questions. So, you know, what's your favorite game to watch? Uh, what do you mean by like favorite game? Like in 2K League or just in general? In, in general, what's your favorite video games? Obviously, you like watching NBA 2K, I presume. Uh, right now, one of I am an absolute fan of Rocket League. Uh, that is like a super skill gap game to me because I can see like the pros, like they can just fly like w- around the maps, and it feels like that they never land at any time. But whenever I play it, it seems like I can't even get off the ground. And so Rocket <laughs> League it's amazing just to see the ability, like the control that they have of those vehicles and the angles that they can take to, to score baskets. So it's insane. So what's your favorite video game to play? So my favorite video game to play would be, Oh, this is a tough one because it, it kind of changes from, you know, month to month. I think right now, one of my favorite video games to play uh, would be, I just talked about it. I think it's rocket league. Cause I'm trying to get, a little better at it so I can, you know, beat beat some of my friends, but also sometimes at the Mavs gaming hub, we'll have, you know, maybe like a a free day, like on Fridays where maybe some of the gaming team comes together. We'll play some games together. And a couple of my coworkers feel like that they're really good at rocket league. And so I got to keep getting better. It's that way. Your game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, what's your favorite video game character, you know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. This is the easiest one. So my first ever real experience, I used to be a PlayStation guy my whole entire like youth. Like I was diehard PlayStation until I seen a commercial of Halo come out and that completely transformed me to become an Xbox player. So I'd have to go with Master Chief. I bought every Halo game, pretty much read a lot of the books. Uh, I follow anything that has to do with 
Halo and Master Chief. Okay, okay, awesome. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, everyone, you can find me at Twitter, which is at Lanstradamus. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Lance Sessions, and it's two eyes because I'm the second. Uh, those are the main two things that I'll be on, and I, I really appreciate you for having me on. My pleasure. You know, thanks everybody again for tuning in, and make sure you follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.